0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of XP Gains. My name, as always, is McThane, and I'm here with my fairy godmother and co-host, Mr. Silverstrike. And uh, yeah, so today we're going to be going a little bit off-road. We're going to be talking about a few games that we've dived back into after being absent from them for a while, a little bit of follow-up on microtransactions and various other things, and then in the next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about game design and things like that. So keep your eyes out for that one, but we won't keep you here too long. See you on the flip side, guys. You know what? I, I, propose, I propose that we do something we haven't done in an awfully long time. I propose we go off road and we just talk and we just see what comes out. Because to be perfectly honest, that's where all this began. We have an awful lot of content that we can always record later. So, you've been playing Gris. How did you find it? What did you like about it? Do we need to do a spoiler alert here? Eh, we probably do, yeah. So, if you haven't, okay. if you
1: haven't played Gris, um, I'm going to be... Well, I'm not going to be spoiling anything because there's no... That's the interesting thing about this game. I don't think there's anything to spoil, per se, because this game has no dialogue, it is a game you experience exclusively through your perception of the world that the main character is traversing, effectively. Okay. So it's a journey. Yeah, it's um, it's a journey. You might be familiar or have heard of Journey, the PlayStation game that is also very soon, I believe, coming to PC, which is a very acclaimed indie game and seen as one of those Games that you really have to experience to get the like the emotional impact from it. And I played Journey, and I really enjoyed it. It was very special. I played Gris over the last um, three days or so, and it was a very serene and beautiful experience. I was playing this game, and I was very relaxed... And I was just taking it all in and I didn't want to rush through the game. I knew it was roughly three to four hours long, depending on, you know, whether you do any of the optional uh, hidden content. And I just said, you know, I'm going to play this. And when I'm stuck, I'm going to stop playing and I'll resume the day after. So I effectively played a, a played the game in three sittings. The game starts out and all color in the game disappears. Everything is in grayscale, black and white. And as you proceed through the game, the colors are being restored to the world. As the colors are being restored, so are the abilities of the character you're playing as. So when you start out, all you can do is run around and jump like a classic platformer, like you would say, like a Mario game, right? There's uh, elevation here. You need to jump to get on top of the little... uh, hill and then you can move on as you proceed through the game new elements are added i'm not going to go into detail like what they are specifically but are abilities that the character gets that allows you to traverse the world and solve kind of puzzles or puzzle-like situations
0: Okay, so let me just ask Is this a linear adventure? For example, will you always uncover the colors in a certain order? Can you do it differently? No. Okay, so it is a linear. It's a
1: linear story, but you can go and replay individual chapters afterwards to find the hidden sections of the game. Mm hmm. Okay. But it is very much a linear story with a beginning and an end that takes you through the game in a linear fashion, but the levels that you go through the stages uh, you are free to explore uh, at your own leisure um, effectively it comes down to you collecting these little floaty dots and you need a certain amount of dots to proceed to the next level it's it's a very nice game it's very very much um, an experience and it is not expensive so actually anybody who is even remotely interested in this kind of game. And and, I mean, I can't really do it justice by talking about it, because it's it's two things that really stood out to me. It's the visual art style and the music, both of which are hard to describe
0: verbally, of course. Okay, so it's a it's a very experiential factor, really, that's involved there. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you'd recommend this to who? somebody who just wants to have a casual experience and enjoy a little bit of gaming and a little bit of kind of passive storytelling and things like that. Or I think is this something, if you really like platformers or puzzlers, uh, would you go for this or I would say this is, uh,
1: this is something that anybody can play unless you really despise platforming. That's maybe when you can, this is a platforming game. There's platforming involved. If you strongly dislike platforming, like maybe don't play this. Otherwise, this gets a thumbs up for, for me.
0: Right. Okay. So it's it's a great little experience.
1: This is a game that I would recommend to, you know, girlfriends of non-gamers, for example. And they play through this and, you know, be like, wow, this is beautiful. Something
0: like that. Yeah. Well, I know that Emeranta, uh, my wife, as soon as I showed that to her, she said that she was interested in playing that. And uh, she does have a tendency to like the kind of puzzle games or we play a lot of um we play a lot of horror games together, actually, because she likes the mystery and the story, but she doesn't like being the one at the wheel yeah, yeah, yeah. of a scary game. I see. So yeah, it's that's our niche that we found to play things together. Um, I think there's probably going to be a lot of fury in the house once we get Mario Kart eventually. <laughs> um, we'll see. Um, I'm I'm... You know, telling her now that we are going to both be playing Super Smash Brothers as well. Yes. Once I get my Switch, so Very nice. that's something I'm looking forward to. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, consoles cost a lot of money, and money is not something that I have a lot of right now. So, um, just one of those things. Yes, it's a fact of life. Anyone who's uh, under the age of twenty listening to this, your time will come. <laughs> your time will come you'll be paying bills one day if you're not already yeah and if you are you know the pain so um yeah so with regards to what i've been playing recently yes. um i recently jumped back into warframe very briefly been doing a little bit of that very casually as always i found that about a billion new things have been released of course so yeah um well i mean that that game really trades on on its new content so but i think we're going to talk a lot more about warframe when we do our episode or when we, uh, when we publish our episode about looter shooters, which is going to be coming in the future. Yes. So I'll leave that for now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about that too much. I've been playing a little bit of that. I've been playing quite a bit of The Division. Okay. The Division 2 yeah. as well. But again, we'll talk about that when we get to looter shooters. And I will definitely be playing Borderlands 3 when that comes out. Okay. But again, we'll talk about yeah, that yeah, when we yeah. come to looter shooters. <laughs> so um, we might talk about that a little bit more if I think, we do. I think you might enjoy the genre. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it is, I wouldn't really say overall that I enjoy being on the treadmill. I think I'm just very, very susceptible to the growth mechanics. Okay. <laughs> I get hooked. That's yeah. that's the thing. I just, I get hooked. Yeah. Um. But I also find that with a lot of these games, they tend to, I'm not sure if I should say cater or pander <laughs> or exploit. Why not both? Why not? Why not all of these? Yeah, why why not all three? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, In varying degrees. Um, They tend to cater to people who like highly customizable characters with builds and abilities and things like that. And that's the custom character building, the custom semi-strategic, semi-action gameplay style is something that I really enjoy. And that just seems to synergize very well with the looter shooter genre. And so it's what you they tend to marry up very well. And so they tend to be found together in the same games. You don't often find a game that has a lot of custom building and a lot of semi-strategic, semi-action blending that doesn't involve looter shooter mechanics nowadays, especially now with the MOBA craze having been and gone. Um, that was one area where you could get a lot of customization for your builds and unique characters and things like that. But yeah, um, Obviously, it wasn't progression based because that would completely ruin the balance of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's the main thing. Um, there are not a lot of single player RPGs out that are fast paced and multiplayer. No. So this is kind of where I was talking about my game idea that I had a while ago, where I was I was talking about being able to uh, to unlock loot and get different builds and things like that. But I wanted to put more emphasis on the strategy and less emphasis on grinding. The idea being that it's more about enjoying the game and pushing your limits for what you can do, and if you need to unlock some new items in order to try out a new build or something, then you do, but it's not really about the grinding. It's more about pushing your high score, pushing your challenge limits, doing more side objectives, things like that. Um, But yeah, we've talked about that in past episodes. Um, Probably every regular listener uh, that we have at the moment. Uh, Quick shout-out, actually, to a huge fan of ours, Gregor. I know you listen to every episode, and you've listened to our episodes multiple times. So, shout out to you, bro! Um, You're probably our biggest fan at the moment. So, I just wanted to throw you into the episode. Um, But uh, yeah, so I know that uh, every fan probably knows that I I design games and I I basically come up with a lot of ideas. Um, Of course, I have my own role-playing game as well. But you know, not to not to shill too hard for myself here. Yeah, I, I realized I got a little bit off track there and I found myself advertising. I was like, oh no, here it comes. The salesman, I can't keep him suppressed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, too many months in, in sales, too many months in sales. Um, but no, no, back on track. Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, just general kind of looter shooters, but I've been meaning recently to get into The Witcher, The Witcher 3. Um, and I've been thinking about the, uh, the up-and-coming cyberpunk And I would really love to play that when it comes out. But unfortunately, you know, I still haven't played the masterpiece that is The Witcher 3. Well, I mean, Um, I think you have time. Um, Oh, no, there's lots of time before that comes out. But there are also many other things that are going to be competing for my attention, probably around the same period of time. (laughs) Um, I've also been playing, right, so here's a niche little game, Eternal. This is a card game. It's a little bit like Magic the Gathering. It has a lot of similar mechanics, but some really interesting changes in the way that the game works, particularly in the way that mana is handled. Um, I won't go into detail because it's obviously it's a strategy game, but I've been playing a lot of that recently and really, really enjoying it. Again, I like that strategic element. And so I find myself really enjoying card games as well. So that's something I've, I've been having a lot of fun with. Um, just kind of different things. I found that my, my gaming diet seems to have broadened out a lot recently. I don't really have any particular thing that I want to talk about too much because talking about card games, I think is, is a very niche topic. Um, looter shooters, we're going to cover. Um, I've been thinking about diving back into destiny as well. Destiny two. Um, but have not gotten back into that partially, obviously, because I have no one to play with. Um, Nobody's playing that in our group right now, uh-huh, yeah. so that's, that's kind of delayed my, my return to that, yes. that particular game. Unfortunately, you traitor, you <laughs> filthy traitor, you got me to buy the game, and then you diggied me. Yes. You're so unpleasant, well, but I, have,
1: I love the pain. I have some good news for you, Thane. On June 6th, the guys at Bungie are going to announce the next chapter of Destiny 2, is is what they called that.
0: Is that season seven?
1: That sounds like um, a second big expansion
0: to me. Okay, so second major expansion being, like the first one being Forsaken, I guess? Yes, that's what that sounds like to me.
1: But again, we'll have to see. But if that's what that is, I'm expecting a lot of players will be jumping back into Destiny 2. Yeah. And that might be the perfect time to just boom.
0: Yeah. There, there is a weapon that I have to say looks really, really cool to me though, that just came out at the end of season six. And that is the one with the crazy nanite effects. I don't know the name of the weapon. I can't remember it, but you like shoot things and you get little clouds of nanites. And when they die, the nanites go flying around like little seeker missiles and go and hit other things. And yeah, it just seems really, it's kind of a cool swarm anti-swarm weapon. It's a little bit slow, but I don't know. I just go in for mechanics like that, I guess. But yeah, it seemed seemed to So I, uh, I'm very tempted, but again, man, I just, I cannot bring myself to love this game because of all the freaking paywalls. Like my gosh, Destiny, you mean? Yeah. It's almost like it's games as a service. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's what that is. Um. Really? Oh man. I thought it was a a single player. Yeah. One off. That must Uh, be, uh. My mistake. Yeah. No, um.
1: So there's yeah there's two layers of, of access to what is new in Destiny 2 1 is of course you need to own Forsaken uh which gives you access to like a bunch of stuff every season and then there's like the seasonal pass which grants you access to everything uh else that gets released I'm going to be honest I um I bought Forsaken I was very excited about the game played it for a little while and then you know when they did the 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 new content that required me to grind quite a bit to get my light level up or power level up in order to be able to access the content that just killed any and all enthusiasm that i had for playing any more of the game and i just dropped it right there so i'm hoping that you know if they do this next expansion that it's story heavy again or like you know partially story heavy with the replayable content that is not locked behind this
0: wall of light or power requirements because yeah you're not going to be happy about this because most of the new stuff that i've been hearing about is light level 600 and something and i just remember thinking oh my gosh like so much grinding when the expansion
1: came out and the uh i think it was the black armory dlc dropped yeah 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 uh and then the the dlc after that dropped as well with like the drifter storyline I haven't gotten around to playing that, but they actually added a very quick way for you to get to the light level that you needed. But the thing is, I was just so burned out because like maybe a week prior to this announcement that, oh, it's going to be really easy to get to the content. I was just having a shit time getting my character to that level. And I'd wasted like several evenings effectively trying to get there. And, um, I just came to the conclusion that it was a waste of time. I was just, I was playing the game. Yes, I was enjoying it, but I, there was content I wanted to get to, but I couldn't get to it. And then, you know, there was like the wasted evenings and then, oh no, we have, now we have a shortcut for you to get there.
0: Like, see, this is where I feel like they have so many different abilities now at this stage in in development and so many different weapons and potential builds and things like that. I Definitely feel like the character development could be deeper. But having said that, I feel like these increases in light level are completely superfluous at this point. They're just, they're unnecessary. You don't, you don't need to be gating this content off behind higher light levels. I don't really understand what the purpose of this is. If you want to have an initial move into the game where you allow players to level up so that you encourage them to stay on a certain track no but see, rather Thane, than going I think, for end game content i don't see i think the point. i
1: know i think i know i think this was partially an activision influenced decision that i'm hopeful is going to be gone now that activision has been effectively scrapped from the freaking game um they've been purged. Yeah, so let's
0: talk about this let's talk about this because this is pretty big news actually well, I mean, what's what's going on with that situation? You probably know better than I yeah, do. Yeah. So, a a while ago, I think we talked about it on the
1: show. Um Bungie effectively became the uh, sole owner and the sole developer of Destiny 2, which means and also the Destiny franchise, which means Activision is no longer involved. They are they've split off. Activision wasn't happy with the amount of revenue and money that was coming in you know, through the game. And uh, the guys at Bungie were enthusiastic about the game and they said, you know what, we'll just split off from Activision and we'll carve our own path.
0: You know, I've got to say, I'm actually, I'm kind of proud of them for doing that. I'm very, very disappointed that Blizzard has not done this yet. Because Blizzard is being ruined by this partnership as well. They truly are. Well, I mean, it is activision
1: slash blizzard i don't think they can really separate anymore i think they're like about as intertwined as you as you you can get
0: really well i remember the days of time warner aol blah 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 you know yeah well i mean
1: you know maybe i i would love to see it but i i have my doubts anyway uh so what i wanted to say was Activision, and this was later confirmed by uh, the devs and and people involved with the game, effectively had certain metrics that were uh, that they said were the most important. And one of the metrics is returning players, right? So they wanted players to return more.
0: Yeah, of course um, they need they need evidence that people keep coming back for more. Yes, basically, right. Yeah.
1: Which, of course, in turn means people are going to be more likely to buy
0: stuff too. Even though you know, like, I mean. There's a lot. It's the video game, yeah. sure. It's the, it's the video game equivalent of footfall. Yes. for a restaurant or a store or something like that. Yeah.
1: When you have a big company leading a project like this, they are going to crunch all the numbers and they're going to do what is necessary to get the most revenue out of their game. They're going to like push real hard um, to get all the blood from the stone. Effectively, this is. Not sad, not so <laughs> disappointing, not disgusting. <laughs> yeah, but this is something. Yeah, definitely that too. But this is not something that smaller studios tend to do, um, which gives those smaller studios a lot of goodwill,
0: which also has benefits. Actually, do you know, this is something we should definitely do an episode on at some point in the future. Uh, maybe we could talk about it a little bit right now. I don't know, but what is the demonstrable value of that goodwill look at look at things like hellblade publicity look at things like uh what's a good uh, example of this apex is an excellent example yes um maybe to a certain extent warframe i don't know i think warframe Um, more so than apex i'm not
1: sure why you mentioned apex actually
0: Because in the case of Apex, although the monetization is fairly typical, it was the fact that they did not try to hype up the game. They just acknowledged the fact that here we are. We haven't done, you know, Titanfall. We haven't done this. We haven't done that. We're not going to try and hype train this. They were exceptionally honest in their release.
1: They also had no big expectations of the game. Um,
0: Yeah, but I think that's really admirable. Like, really admirable.
1: Well, I mean, it. any other reaction or any other way to unveil that game would have been the
0: wrong way, right? That doesn't mean that they didn't have other options, though. No. That doesn't mean that they didn't have other choices they could have made. They very, very easily could have gone down the same route as many other games and tried to hype train the crap out of it. I mean, like, I remember when Watch Dogs didn't deliver on the hype train that it produced and... I mean, that was one of the biggest hype trains that I think we've we've ever seen.
1: There's, you know, many games that do not deliver on their hype. Um, it seems to me that plenty of companies and big publishers are very happy to just smash all, you know, like s- just effectively spend an inordinate amount of money on marketing, hoping that the initial sales push is going to just basically be enough to earn them the money. And then depending on how, like, you know, tuned the game is to microtransactions and and additional revenue that can be earned through DLC, repeatable microtransactions and such, uh, you know, that influences how a game evolves. But, I mean, we've seen this with Anthem, right? What a fucking joke that game has become. Um, It is, it is literally... Yeah, it is. A, their their loot loop is absolute garbage. Any and all of the promised extra content that was going to be coming is just not here. They promised like a big like cataclysm mode, which is
0: like a big raid. Look, look, look! Um, at this point, right, we've we've seen the ah, what the hell was that game's name? Evolve, right? We've seen the evolve effect kick in, right? Where it was, what do you mean, hyped up? It was hyped up. And then it just died on the launch pad. You know what I'm saying? It just blew up before it could ever, before anything could happen that was positive. So you can't expect additional content to be delivered for that game because the existing content has had almost nobody interested in it. Well, see, that's all nice and dandy,
1: but they did promise this, right? This was a thing that they sold the game on. They said, we have a product right now don't worry, it's going to be way bigger six months from now or like two months from now because it was supposed to get big content updates. And they have not delivered on what they have promised from the start, Um which is different to shipping a game that then dies at release. Like plenty of games get shipped and die at release. But this was supposed to be a freaking 10-year Uh, game or something um, or some nonsense that they said, um, which clearly it is not. It is not even a three month game or a two month game it would seem because I don't know if you've you've heard about the numbers but they're quite sad. Um, So the game doesn't even get to 200 average viewers on Twitch anymore. And thanks to some stats, we actually know how many people are playing the game on Xbox One, which... You know, is like one of the three big platforms. So people have done some estimation. Turns out Battlefield 1 has more players. And for Battlefield 1, there's this website called battlefield1stats.com or something uh, of the sort. And that shows a player count of people playing the game. Um, because DICE has all these, you know, stats logged about players. So we also know how many people are playing daily. We know there's roughly 2,500 people playing Battlefield 1 on Xbox One. And we also know that Anthem has less players because it was ranked lower on Microsoft's list of, you know, how many people are playing this game or how popular is a particular game. So we know that the game has less than 2,500 players globally on Xbox One, which is one of the three big platforms. Let's say we're being incredibly generous and PC has twice the user base of Xbox One at, let's say, 5,000 players. And PS4 rivals um, or, you know, slightly exceeds the player base on Xbox One. Then we have, what, not even 10,000 people playing the game worldwide? Yeah, that is pretty, pretty grim. To give you an example, in the last 24 hours, there were 90,000 people playing Rainbow Six Siege at peak on Steam, which is, which represents a percentage of Rainbow Six Siege owners on PC because almost everybody bu- buys the game through you playing. Uh huh. They have so many players. Um, new game releases on steam if they're like very big releases they do a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand concurrents when they release that's really good like for example the new total war game set in china three kingdoms did uh two hundred thousand concurrents. mostly influenced probably also by the fact that it's a game set in china so a bunch of chinese people also bought it but it's their like their most you know successful game, right? But that's two hundred thousand people playing. If you look at like older games, like I think there's at any given time there's twenty five thousand people playing still Civilization Five, the previous <laughs> generation Civilization <laughs> game, right? Right. Okay. So, so
0: the point's been made. I think there's there's literally hundreds of times the number of players on virtually everything else. Yes. And this is a game that came out two, two
1: months ago, in, in, in March, and was hyped to be the next big thing, and it just flopped and fell flat
0: on its face. Well, I mean, that's what you get, really, when the whole thing is half-baked, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it reminds me very much of Prey 1, back in the day.
1: Yes, which is a niche uh, game nowadays, and a bunch of people really enjoy it, too. But it, you know, was not a commercial success. No.
0: Nope. No, it was not. Um, I remember playing it and thinking it was about 100 different ideas that just ended up, you know, melting together in a hot tub somewhere. Um, Seemed a little bizarre to me. It doesn't help.
1: It doesn't help that Bethesda released Prey afterwards with the same, like, title and everybody has to refer to the game by the year it was released.
0: Mm -hmm. This is Prey 2016. (laughs) I would just say first Prey. Yeah. To be honest. The OG Prey. Right. Yeah, exactly. The one where you play the kind of crazy spirit-walking Native American guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Okay, so anyway, I need to tell really you better. a little story now, okay? All right, okay, you need to tell me a story. Story time. Let me let me go get in my bed, <laughs> tuck myself in. Right, okay, I'm let ready. Let me grab the book. <laughs> I'm ready. I have my hot chocolate. I'm ready. So, you know, about,
1: uh, I'm going to say two years ago. I don't like this story. <laughs> right? Anyway. <laughs> two years ago. Um, there was this event. Um, so Nintendo has an interesting way of doing announcements. Actually, I just want to briefly, as a side note, mention this. Uh, instead of doing like classic, uh, presentations, uh, they actually have live streams that they do of pre-recorded events that they call Nintendo Directs. And the direct is usually a dump of information. And depending on the topic, it could be a, uh, direct focused on one particular game or on a whole plethora of games. So, for example, when the Switch launched, they did Nintendo Direct on the Switch. And then they like explained all the great games that were going to be arriving on the platform. Whereas um, another type of Nintendo Direct they did was recently, they did one on Super Mario Maker 2. And that was a Nintendo Direct purely focused. It's like a 15-minute live stream or something. Purely focused on that particular game.
0: Which is an, I remember thinking and, when I first saw that, that it was a really weird idea for a game. But yeah, we can talk about that too. Yes. Anyway.
1: So it turns out, you know, it's an interesting way of doing uh, publicity and, and, you know, releasing uh, information about your products.
0: But, but when does Nintendo do it the conventional way? I mean, they, they don't. They don't, which is great. <laughs> I mean,
1: it, it's like a fresh, fresh breath of air, really, Um, to me. At least. And it seems like Sony's moving in that direction as well nowadays with their... um own announcements that's what they said they want to do more they're not at e3 for example this year uh, and they're going to be doing their own kind of they've been doing their own events that they recently did uh, i believe they called it state of play or something like that so you know interesting uh, developments anyway I'm, I'm going off topic two years ago they did a, a nintendo direct on fire emblem which is the tactical turn-based combat uh, genre and one of the announcements was mainline games, uh, one on 3DS, one on Switch. That was supposed to release in 2018, and then got pushed to this year. That's coming out later this year. But they also announced and released a mobile game with a gacha element and you know gambling, effectively. And it has been available for I'm going to say like yeah, almost you know over two years now. And recently there was a little news bulletin that passed uh, and then I noticed I don't play the game. I played it roughly like, I'm going to say two months or something. Um,
0: May I ask what this game was
1: with the gacha element? uh, It is like miniature Fire Emblem, but you collect characters and you just get them. So um, as you play the game, you collect orbs. Uh, If you beat a map, you get an orb. If you collect um 20 orbs you can summon a bunch of heroes and those are randomly received from a pool of heroes and some are better than others etc uh, the game is called fire emblem heroes so there you go uh, and there's lots of heroes and you know all of them have unique art and um unique stats and people want you know specific characters because they look really cool or really nice or have great stats and you know it's a it's an interesting metagame to watch although i haven't participated myself anymore i played a little bit at the beginning and i basically said you know it's sad that this is a gotcha game because you know i really would have liked a fire emblem game that i could play on the go that wasn't you know gambling the game effectively um and interestingly enough, Nintendo did a, a bit of an announcement a few weeks ago. I think I want to say a week or a week, two weeks ago. They announced that um, due to legal constraints and the uh, legal situation of gambling and loot boxes in Belgium, they're going to basically suspend those two games and Belgian players will be unable to play uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. And then there's also an Animal Crossing game that also has randomized loot boxes in it and both of those games are basically going to be turned off for players in Belgium.
0: So do you get anything if you purchase the game?
1: No, you uh you lose access. So
0: That's not very nice. Uh, but the game is free, right? So I mean ah, Okay. It it
1: could be that um you have put quite some money into the game uh because you can of course buy these uh orbs that you can use to summon heroes so if you bought orbs and then achieved like uh, a very nice collection of heroes then uh, the only way to uh keep playing is to uh, as a as a belgian player i believe is to use a vpn to uh to download um or you know to just download an apk i guess if you're on android uh to download the and you know version of the game from another country's store and then change your nintendo account to pretend like you're not in belgium i think that is a viable way to do it but if you don't want to do that like me i don't want to do any of that stuff basically the game becomes you know, you become unable to play the game and you kind of lose all the stuff you had which is unfortunate um i did spend like a little bit of money at the start there was like this starting kit that gave you a bunch of stuff and i was like okay i'm fine supporting a game like this um and then they like egregious characters and it was clear that they really wanted people to spend money so i was like "Eh." not so much anymore not so much anymore but interestingly enough um i know i'm saying this but at the same time the gotcha mechanic of this particular game is way more forgiving and way less invasive you can actually get like buy with the free stuff that you earn Whereas in, you know, there's these other gacha games that are, I believe, only available in the US. There's like this really big game. Um, I forget what it's called, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I remember Grand Blue Fantasy, I believe. It's one of those big ones from Japan that uh, is very popular in the US. And it is crazy you know, how much money you need to spend to be able to keep up with that game. There's people wasting hundreds and thousands of of dollars on that game. Whereas in, you know, this Fire Emblem game you can can get by without buying anything at all, really. And if you want to invest money, you don't have to invest much. Although, to be fair, everything's randomized so you could get absolutely fucked. Um, Which is why I hate these kinds of games. And I'm very disappointed. So I'm not entirely um unhappy that the loot box regulation is in place here in belgium but i am unhappy that uh, companies like nintendo are not willing to take another path here can they afford to that's another question yeah i mean fire emblem heroes made them a shit ton of money let's be honest um
0: but see that's I feel like this is the major problem because people are not voting no with their wallets some somebody's out there spending crap tons of money on these games knowing surely you must realize you're being exploited you are being exploited you're buying you're buying lottery tickets you are the whale yeah. I mean, there are probably people out there who would never buy a lottery ticket, but they'll spend hundreds on a game like this Mm -hmm. more because the, the enjoyment is guaranteed. The enjoyment is guaranteed. The level of enjoyment is not guaranteed, but the enjoyment of the game is guaranteed. You know what I'm saying? So like a lottery is, is you win or you lose pretty much. Whereas a game, you know, you still get to play the game no matter what. Yes. This is really why I support legislation that bans this sort of thing, because I feel that it plays on an involuntary psychological response. Yes. This is not something that people can help. There are people out there who are vulnerable to gambling. I even remember when I was working for charities at one time, and there was a charity in particular, I'm not going to name it, but there was a charity that was running a charity lottery. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine. It's a bit of fun and it benefits a good cause. So why not? Right. And the proportion of the money that goes back into prizes is tiny. So it's, it's fine. In my opinion, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of the people that I signed up a high percentage, there was part of the questionnaire that you could do. It was optional, but I did it with every single customer that I spoke to Yes, and a very high percentage of people who were signing up for this voluntarily told me that they did five six seven different lotteries already wow and the the maximum that you could write down was nine plus yeah and some people would see the nine plus and they'd go oh well uh maybe seven or eight (laughs) and i'd be like wow so possibly more yeah and that really disturbed me because it makes me think am i just taking advantage of somebody's impulsivity here the fact that they cannot resist a gamble yeah that that really bothers me. Yeah, I mean, I've
1: we've we've basically talked the topic to death. I think um, in in the first episode that we did.
0: But yeah, I think this goes this goes beyond the concept. What we were talking about really is loot boxes. But I think this goes this goes beyond loot boxes, though, because there are there are other things as well. I mean, if you look at something like Warframe, <clears throat> yes. you don't have to buy anything, but everything is RNG. Yeah. In a lot of cases, you buy in order to get past the RNG wall. There are people who have played hundreds of hours mm-hmm. who have not earned things in the game. I say they haven't earned. They, they most certainly have earned them. Mm-hmm. They just haven't received them. Um, there are some items that are incredibly rare because it's RNG on top of RNG on top of RNG. Yeah. And there are people who have never been able to get these things because of all the RNG. Yeah. And a lot of these items can't even be purchased. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's trying to take advantage. I don't see why this is considered even a valid element of game design nowadays. I mean, like, why are why are we still throwing random numbers at our players? This doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Um, you know, if I look at How much money it
1: can possibly bring in. Yes, it, it does make sense from a, um, ethical point of view. No, it does not make any sense whatsoever. Uh, in fact, it is disturbing if, if you look at, you know, what's going on in video games. I, you know, I've said it before. I said it in the first episode. The repeatable microtransaction is the worst thing that has happened to video games and in general purchases, digital purchases ever because you have an infinite way of getting people to pay for stuff. Why should it be necessary for somebody to own something multiple times? I mean, the best way to describe this is we don't buy hundreds of phones every year. Like, I have a phone. Great. I don't need another one. I, you know, I have a monitor. Sure. I could use maybe two. It's crazy to me that this, this purchase loop is possible. Uh, and you know, there's people who will defend this loop and they will go, but dude, there's nothing stopping you from buying a hundred phones if you really wanted to, right? I mean, or a hundred copies of a particular game, which is, which is also true, but, It's you know the system is not designed that I need a hundred phones, whereas the game is designed as to make me buy those hundred or you know however
0: many times you
1: you you know you can get the player to purchase whatever in app purchase
0: exists. Well, so I'm I'm not just really talking about this though. I'm talking about the design element of random number generators. That's right, but that's for next episode. Okay, guys, so I think we've pretty much exhausted what we wanted to do for this episode. Do bear in mind that we recorded this one and the next one at the same time. So there are going to be a few cool interlinking elements there. But next time, we're going to be covering some interesting stuff about game design and some thoughts there. Just keep your ears open for it. But as always, we just want to thank you very much for every single listen, whatever platform that you're using to take this in on. We appreciate every view, every listen, whatever, every like, give us your feedback if you can. Thank you so much for your time. This is a huge passion project for us and we love doing it. We don't get paid to do it. It's just something we do in our spare time. So we really appreciate everybody who takes the time to stay with us. And especially if you're still with us this far into the episode, a heartfelt thank you from both of us and wherever you are in the world, we both want to wish you a heartfelt good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. And we'll catch you in episode 16. See you then.